I remember waking up to do an early morning workout a few years ago, and I glanced at my phone real quick. And there was a message on my phone from overnight about a tragedy that had happened to someone that I love, something horrible, like the unthinkable. And I remember walking out to my workout space and just felt like in that moment, what is the point? Why even do this? Why even try? Well, some time has passed now, and I actually invited that same person that I love on the show with us today to share her story of that exact tragedy, but also she's going to share her why and how she did find hope and the exact pieces and habits of self-care that she needed in those hardest moments of her life. And then what her self-care routine looks like now after all that. This is a moving conversation. So if you have a box of Kleenex Sandy, go grab it. And then let's jump in and meet my friend, Kelly Martin. Hey friend, my name is Megan Dahlman. As a certified trainer and nutrition coach, I'm on a mission to change the conversation around fitness, nutrition, and taking care of ourselves as moms. If you're tired of restrictive fad diets and all or nothing workouts, in a culture that tries to sell you the lie that your value is tied to the number on the scale, then you're in the right place. I'm here to equip and encourage you to take simple steps towards the healthy life you want for yourself and the people you love. Welcome to Self-Care Simplified. Well, hey, Kelly, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here with us today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And I'm just honored that you're here and just so very thankful because, you know, as you know, around here, we don't candy coat anything. We don't pretend that life is easier or perfect or, you know, it's something that it that it's not. We live in the real world where our kids are going through struggles. And I know your kids are going through struggles right now. My kids are going through struggles right now. You know, we might be facing financial troubles. We might have a parent that has some major health issues that we're having to help them through, or maybe we're having to navigate the unthinkable, you know, the, the worst thing ever. And yet somehow our body you know, how we take care of our body, like it's still part of that picture somehow. So I know that this conversation is going to maybe help shed some light on that a little bit. And we all have these seasons where we feel like we're operating in survival mode, you know, barely making it from one day to the next. Can you share the story of what launched you into that survival mode you know, the story that many of us will hopefully never have to experience. Sure. Um, Yeah, it was uh, September of 2021, uh, right kind of in the middle of COVID era. Um, My kids had just started back into school. And um, at this point, they were back in school. And um, about two weeks into the school year, we all got COVID. And um, we had the typical, you know, fevers and, um, the typical congestion, you know, nothing that was super crazy out of the ordinary, nothing that alarmed us. Um, so we had about a week where it was really rough. Um, but as the rest of us, me and the kids were getting better. My husband was not, um, getting better, which wasn't abnormal, uh, compared to some of my friends and what they had experienced. But at one point, um, at about day eight or so, um, 
it became really clear that maybe uh, my husband needed to go into the hospital and just get a breathing treatment or two. That was kind of our mindset mm-hmm. that we would go into the ER. He'd spend a day, maybe 24 hours, 48 hours there, and then he'd be home and be fine. And um, we just needed that little extra help. So I took him to the ER and I had to leave him there, which was really, really hard. I was not allowed to stay with him. Well, and you had COVID too, right? At that, So you were sick also, yeah. I was. The whole family was sick and we were all running uh, high fevers, like 101, 102, but we were able to manage it with medicine. And um, But it just, uh, he just seemed to really be struggling. And so I got really concerned. I actually encouraged him to go to the hospital sooner, but he's a little bit stubborn. And didn't. Um, but then he finally relented and said, okay, you know, even if it's just for a breathing treatment or so. So I take him in and they kind of take him away from me, which is really hard. Um, but he gets settled in and he actually woke up the next morning um, feeling really great and um, had breakfast and was doing really well. Um, but at about lunchtime that next day, um, his heart stopped um, and they had to resuscitate him. Uh, they had found through taking pictures of his lungs that he had uh, a lot of uh, blood clots and severe pneumonia and um, uh, was much sicker than we even ever imagined. As a matter of fact, he even, um, one of the last things he said to me through video chat was, I'm so sorry, honey. I had no idea how sick I was. And um, so his heart stopped around lunchtime and I got a call to come in and be with him, which was nothing short of a miracle because many people were not allowed to be with their loved ones in the hospital during this time. So I rush in, I quick find babysitters because all my kids are still at home. And I quick find babysitters for them and I rush out the door and I go to be with him. And by the time I got there, he was already on a respirator and was in a chemical induced coma. Um, I was allowed to call one of my friends to come and be with me uh, as well as a pastor. And that's when I knew it was very, very serious. And um, throughout the night, his heart had stopped two more times until I got to the point where I had to make the decision of whether or not they were going to keep him alive. Um, and by, I think it was 2.30 or 3.30 the next morning, he had passed away. Very sudden, very unexpected, absolute shock, as you can imagine. I never, ever even imagined that this was even a possibility. Um, and I had to go home and tell my kids, like, this was so sudden and so severe that um, everybody just kind of went into major shock. It was the worst thing I ever had to do was to go home to my kids and share that news. So that's kind of the story in a nutshell. There's a lot more to it, but yeah, um, yeah we entered into a season then of um, a future that we just never planned on, never imagined would happen. So I remember you messaged me that morning that he passed and I had gotten up early to do a morning workout (laughs) and like waking up and, and reading that message and like 
the shock of that because I knew, you know, we have such a tight community in our coaching program and um, the women in the group. And it was just like, I remember just my heart just like dropped and just like ached for you. And I remember just listening to music during my workout and being like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this workout? Like, why, what does this matter? Like this doesn't, you, you get to that moment where you're like, why, why does this matter right now? What's the point? What is, what is even the point of trying to go through the motions of just these normal everyday things. And it just like zooms into perspective. But at some point you do kind of have to zoom out and be like, no, some of these little pieces, they do still kind of matter. Maybe not in this moment right now, but it, it is part of the big picture. And, um, you know, I think it probably took you a long time <laughs> to come back around to what, and oh, yeah. what, what some semblance of a normal routine looked like um, because you guys moved to after that and kind of uprooted your family to be closer to other family. And so I know it just took a little while. So before Jeff's passing, what had your fitness and nutrition routine looked like leading up to that? Yeah, so that's kind of a long story. I I had a season in life where I did not I was not doing well. I was dealing with a lot of inflammation in my body. I had weight gain that just wouldn't stop going up. That um yeah, just a lot of issues that I was stuck. I was so stuck and I was helpless felt very helpless and um, and my sister, you know, told me about your podcast and like, I kind of had the attitude of like, oh yeah, you know, one more thing to try because I had tried it all, you yeah. know, and I, from one extreme to another and I was just done. I had that actually got to a point of giving up and I was getting ready for a shower one day. I'm like, oh, you know, why not? I'll just, I'll give it a try. And, um, I literally, I don't even remember which podcast it was but you were talking about um how amazing god created our bodies um and that we are special and that we are okay just in the place and in the moment that we are right now and i just wept i'm like in the middle of the shower and i am bawling my eyes out and i love crying in the shower because it feels like you don't have to clean up after it <laughs> cleansing you know it's the it's best. Just, yes and um and i just had never i'm like why have i I've been a Christian my whole life and I've never heard another woman speak about fitness and health like this to speak into the whole person of your spiritual and your mental health is just as important as your physical body. And um, it just impacted me in such a way that I was like, okay, there is something here that I need to hold on to. And so I started, I looked into your resources and I, I started strong mamas and Jeff was my biggest, um, cheerleader. He was the one that spurred me, like, whatever you need to do, babe, I don't care how much it costs. I don't care what you need to do, whether it's diet or exercise, you do what you need to do to take good care of yourself. And that was so impactful, not just what you had to say, but then to have it confirmed by my husband was like, yes, yeah. this is good. This is right. I'm seeing progress in you. And so it was actually almost a year I would have celebrated my first year with you 
about the same time I got COVID. Yeah. And so, um, so I had that year of really building um, a strength of character as much as mm. strength in my body. And it was a time of really refining um, what it means to be a whole healthy person, somebody that is not swayed to and fro by the wind, um, trying one thing or another, just being right. steady and sticking with something that is sustainable and, um, and being able to really celebrate those non-skill victories was a huge thing for me too. Um, to see progress in ways and be taught to see progress in ways other than the scale. It was really amazing, uh, an amazing mental overhaul for me to be able to come to this place of hard work, but finding victories in things that are just as concrete as a number on a scale and being able to put that number on a scale in its proper place, that it is a measurement, but not the measurement and not allowing my journey to be wrapped up in just that. And um, yeah, so that's kind of what my first year was like being able to really do that mental work, that, that spiritual work of putting health in its proper place in my life and not, uh, really, truly making it an idol in my life. It was good, good hard work. Mm-hmm. And I think without that hard work, I just don't think people make the the true breakthroughs that they're really looking for. You know, it always just ends up feeling like a number on the scale or just this like mm. chasing after the wind of like, like, if my goal is not to change my mindset about this entire process, then why wouldn't I just jump from one empty promise to the next. You know, when you get to a place where you're like, this is so much bigger than that. This is about changing the way I think about my body, the way I show up for my body, the way it's intertwined with everything that I do. Once you get there, you realize, okay, I'm actually, I'm in this for the long haul. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. this is a perseverance, a discipline issue. Like there's so much wrapped into this rather Mm -hmm. than like, just checking off exercises or checking off like nutrition boxes and oh and I'm a check it off for girl <laughs> tell you what <laughs> I am an all or nothing you know mindset I really had to work hard on that um was that frustrating to be to like step into a program <laughs> like mine that was like no we don't really have a we don't really to do check. that <laughs> Um, a little bit, but it was also freeing um, to not be so confined and to not be so rigid, you know, because I was coming from these programs that were like, once if you mess up, you got to start over, you know, and to be able to go, you know what, just, just take on another, like the next minute, the next moment that I have. And it was so free and to be able to be like, I have permission to do that. You know, I have permission to just begin where I'm at. And to to be able to not have to be perfect at something was incredibly freeing for me. So how did those things, like how did that full year of like having that mindset shift about like, this is not perfection. This is not just checking boxes. This is bigger. This is so much more holistic than that. How did it, without realizing it, how did it prepare you to go through what you did to be healthy through what was to come with losing Jeff and dealing with everything in the aftermath of that? Yeah. um, So by having practiced these things in the year prior to Jeff passing away, 
um, it really showed me in other areas of my life as well, how I can be uh, fostering strength and grit and perseverance through um, what I'm going through every from like every day, you know, we all have stressors in our life. We all have things going on, uh, whether it's a wayward child or stressors with our parents or friends and or your job. There's always going to be something that's there. Um, and realizing uh, and embracing who God created me to be and the strengths that he's given me helped me to be able to go, you know what, even though I'm in this place of um, severe grief and trauma, that I am able to stand on this firm foundation that I have done the work beforehand and I've been mm-hmm. able to go, okay, now when everything is such a whirlwind, when you feel like you're swimming in a tsunami, when everything is out of your control and you feel like, what, what's the point? What is worth right, it? Why is right. this even worth it? That I have now, I've already previously put into practice and thought through those things that created such a firm foundation that I was steady and I was able to find footing and grip onto those things that I knew to be true. Those things that I knew to be right, that God is good, that I am a strong person, that I can function from day to day, even in the midst of this trauma and grief and brain fog is a real thing in grief. And I was the worst driver I've ever been in my life during the first six months, you know, like making serious mistakes. I don't know how many accidents I was almost in. Um, But we're just knowing that I can put my feet on the floor when I don't want to get out of bed in the morning because I know that God is good. I know that he's created me with strength and being able to look back on the last year of not just physical fitness, but just how that informed my daily life. I was able to get up and show up for my kids and for my family and for my friends and everybody else that was grieving as well. I was in a place of major need. I could not, I was not able to extend help to anybody else because I, I was now in a place where I needed to be cared for. And I was okay with that, that there was a strength in being able to say, I'm in need now. I need this help. And I'm allowing the people around me to gather around me that and that I needed in order to remind me, this is the strength that you have, Kelly. God is good and he will take care of you and your kids. Okay, stop for just a second. How are your fitness and nutrition habits right now? Like really? If I randomly showed up at your house today and watched how you ate, how your workouts were going, how you moved about the day, just how you took care of yourself, what would I be witnessing? Would you be proud or a little embarrassed? Okay, don't worry. I'm not showing up at your house. However, that little thought experiment is very revealing about what could use a little work. So if you could use some help to get yourself back on track and feel so much healthier, I have a free five-day guide with simple daily challenges that I can deliver straight to your inbox. These include some nutrition tips, my favorite movements and stretches, and more that will really help you jumpstart some good habits. Super doable, 
nothing extreme and it will get that ball rolling. And I want to give it to you for free. Okay. Just go to vigeofit.com slash tips to sign up. That's vigeofit.com slash tips, or you can hit up the link in the show notes and I will immediately send you the first day's healthy tips. You're going to love it. I think a lot of us women really struggle to ever get to that point to accept help. You know, and you, so hard. You, you I know, still am not good at it. I, <laughs> I mean, like, unless you're forced into that position against your will to be like, no, sit your butt down and ask for help and accept it willingly. We are so stubborn. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how many other areas of your life does that transfer to? Like you went through a year of kind of humbly submitting yourself to receiving help for Mm -hmm. your health of like, someone else is going to help me put something together. I'm going to lean on a coach. I'm going to trust in the process Mm -hmm. that this is going to be, this is a good process. I'm going to be faithful to this process. There's ups, there's downs. And then you found yourself in a completely more intense situation where it was like, okay, here I am again. I have a track record of asking for help and being okay with that. And knowing that other people, like I can trust other people and rely on them and they've got my back. They love me. And this Mm -hmm. is, and I need this. Yeah. 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 And I will be honest and say for a full year after Jeff passed away, I did not do one workout. I didn't, uh, it was too hard, like, because with him being my my biggest cheerleader, it took me to a place emotionally that I was not prepared to go to yet. And um, it was just, it was too hard emotionally to allow myself, because I would get to, I would pull out my yoga mat, and I would sit down on it, and all I was just flooded with memories and his voice, like I could hear his voice cheering me on, and it was just emotionally, it was just too hard. I couldn't do it. And I had to have grace for myself in that time to be like, okay, that's okay. That's where you're at right now. When you are flooded with such grief, that's the hard work that you need to focus on right now. You can't be um, trying to push yourself so hard that it's still going to break you. It's going to put you in a place that's not good. And that was where I was at when I would pull out that yoga mat. And so I didn't, I did not out for a year you know after such consistency it was like what am I doing how you know what are you doing to your body you struggle with those like I should be doing this I should be this way or I should be that way and it's like no your hard work right now is making sure that you and your kids grieve well and that you learn how to walk this path out with strength and with dignity you know it's it's important work that you really need to to grab onto and a, a kind of strength that I've never had to embrace before. It's a very different kind of strength. Yeah. It's not like a, like, it's not like you said the word grit and I love that word grit, but it's almost like a different kind of strength where it's like a raw, almost like, like laying powerless on the floor, like in a ball of tears is its own form of strength. Like yeah. saying, I'm not going to work out right now is like its own form of strength. And I think- it is. Uh, like, I, I feel like so many of us feel like unless I just force myself through this and shove myself back into a routine that does not work right now in this season of life, we get that fear of I'm going to lose it all. 
I'm going to lose my body. I'm going to lose this routine that I worked so hard for. But this season of life is different right now. And it requires a different type of focus. And I love that you said you did not work out for a year. (laughs) But you didn't like that did not become your new normal. Like, right. That was just what you needed to do during that Mm -hmm. season of you were working on a different kind of strength. And so like during that time when you weren't working out regularly, like what, what habits that you had learned from before, like crept into that new season of life that helped you through those deepest valleys of grief? What were you still doing to care for your, for your body with, you know, just movement wise or fitness or nutrition wise? Like what were you still able to focus on? Um, that's a great question and really hard because quite honestly, being in survival mode, it was all encompassing. It, it, it took every ounce of my energy, um, yeah. that I really didn't have a lot of thought put into, um, fitness or nutrition. Um, the first six weeks, it was really difficult even to eat. And of course, that's the time when you have the whole community is around you. You're getting casserole after casserole. <laughs> I'm just glad my kids had food, you know, <laughs> because I barely could eat myself. Um, and when I was finally able to start eating again, I was just thankful that I was able to get mm-hmm. food within my body um, yeah. and recognize that this is still sustenance and I don't have to be worried about like, it's the last thing that I was even thinking about, worried about, um, is what I'm really putting into my mouth because there were big, I'm like, I was very much in that, like, what's the point where, what am I doing here? What, how do I, how do I survive without my husband? What is this going to look like? There's so many questions about my future that I, my immediate future, my day-to-day future, like that I was in this whirlwind. So um, I wasn't stagnant. I had built that foundation of good, healthy habits that just were natural. I was drinking water still. I was, um, the grief took a toll on my body. So sitting on the couch and resting yeah. was very important, especially in those very early days, resting a lot, making sure I'm sleeping well. I actually went through a time where I changed out. It wasn't long after he passed away. I changed out all my bedding. I ordered a new bed frame. I made my bed the most comforting and inviting place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew, uh, I knew in my mind and through reading about grief prior to just death that like sleep issues are a huge problem for people in grief. And mm-hmm. I did everything that I could to foster really good sleep at night. And God was gracious to me and gave me very like the best sleep of my life during that time, which is amazing um, that it gave me that energy to be able to um, get up in the morning and really function well for myself and for my family, uh, for my kids. So um, those are the kinds of things that I did. Like I I need a place that is like an oasis so that I can really care for myself and the grief that I had to um, process and work through and it's going to be ongoing. You know, it's something I know that I'll be carrying with me for the rest right. of my life. Sure. Um, and so to have that place where I am cared for and that I'm well rested and taking good, good care of my body. Um, that was a very different um, way of caring for myself that I hadn't done before. Cause I'd always thought of 
caring for your body means, you know, like the checklist of working out so many days a week and moving your body and not sitting on the couch and being an active person. And, you know, you think of all those things. You don't think about how do I rest well? How do I find a place where I am refreshed and rejuvenated um, besides just like a couch and a TV? You know? <laughs> like, so. Well, and I'm sure those like you were developing new healthy habits during that season. You know, it was like the the resting and the focusing so much on just really good quality sleep. Like, man, if I can get more women to like really improve their sweet sleep quality, it has such a dramatic impact on your health, especially through a really stressful season of life. So, so you were checking boxes off without really <laughs> without realizing forcing it. it. Yeah, which is so great. So. So then the question is, you know, when did you feel ready or how did it feel like, what were the thoughts going through your mind when you felt like I'm, I'm ready to step back in. And, you know, because a lot of people ask me like, how do I get started again? Like, how do I start again? (laughs) You know, I have this history, I have this past, but like, what was those feelings? Like, I feel ready. And then what did you do to get started again? Yeah, um, we, so let me backtrack just a little bit. Um, I lost Jeff in September and then that following summer he moved. And so I spent the majority of the new year packing, looking for houses. It was an eight hour move. So we're moving across state lines and like never did I imagine I was doing going to do this by myself. I had projects for the house I still needed to do. So um, all of like January through May um, was uh, finishing household projects, getting me and six kids packed up and moved back, back to Pennsylvania close to, me, to be close to my family. And um, that was so all encompassing for me. We moved in June. I bought our house in May, uh, moved in June, and then I still had yet to sell my place <laughs> that we moved from. So the summer was, met, you know, was taken up on packing and trying to get my uh, Ohio place sold. And so then we actually were, I, I was like, I need a gift for me and my family after all of this craziness, so many changes that we've gone through um, to have one month in this summer where we don't plan anything. I'm unpacked. We are settled, getting settled in. Uh, all the school stuff for the fall was taken care of. Everything was done. And I took four weeks. It may have been even six weeks. I'm not sure. Where we just lived in our house and we just breathed. Because it was such a whirlwind. There was so much that we went through. We got to know our neighborhood a little bit and get to know the lay of the land around here a little bit. Because I had been gone for 15 years. So it was just like, you know, reacquainting ourselves with a new place, a new home, um, a new life. And um, how did we bring and and wrestling with hard questions like how do we bring Jeff along into all of that? Because he's still very much a part of our lives. And really just connecting together because um, through this tragedy, it's actually brought me and my kids so much closer. And so we were able to take that time to really just oh, breathe and get prepared and get ready for our new phase of life. And 
um, got, when the kids started school, it seemed like a natural progression. And it wasn't less hard to get started. Um, it was still incredibly difficult. I bawled the first time that I worked out because I did, again, I would come face to face with just some voice and, and encouragement. What a gift, though, that he gave me um, to be able to start again. And um, and I did the mistake of trying to not pick up where I left off, but I thought just keeping my weight really low would be fine. <laughs> so I did I did one of the beginner workouts for the Strong Mamas program, and I was sore for days. Like oh, a no. week afterwards, my mom was yeah. laughing at me because I would sit and be like, Ugh. You are failing what we we call it the toilet test. You fail the toilet, you know, your your poor glutes like just cannot lower you down into a chair or sit on the toilet. Yeah. Yes, I did. I totally failed the toilet test. And um and that's when I was like, okay, I I had that realization of I am I'm now ready. I'm emotionally ready. I'm physically ready, but I needed to step it back even more because Um, I, I basically starting over again and I was okay with that. I knew that going in, um, was a little disappointed, but you had a plan for that. Yeah. (laughs) So you started, you decided to do jumpstart 30, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which hopefully was just the right pace that just kind of met you with like little baby steps, just little pieces here and there. Yeah. It was perfect because I was going from, and again, it took that all or nothing mindset. You just, you know, like we're going to trash that. It was so easy to slide into something that begins so easy because I'm now learning how to be a single mom. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't have a partner here to help me um, with the days, day in and day out of, of living life and crazy schedules and all of that. And so, and I'm also now working part-time, which I had spent 20 plus years as a stay-at-home mom. I hadn't worked for over 20 years. And so now I am working part-time and I'm still raising these children. And how do I do this? I'm finding my, trying to find my footing with so many areas of my life that, being able to start in Jumpstart 30 just helped me just real incrementally be able to go just start stacking one thing or another. Okay, I can, I got a handle of that. Now I can add one more thing and let's figure it out. Let's be creative. How does this look? How, how am I going to progress? And it was so nice. I needed that guide. I needed that guide to be able to go from a place where I am starting over again. I, you know, made this decision that it's important enough. I'm in a place now mentally where I am and emotionally that I can handle this. Um, I'm, I've, the brain fog is lifted. The trauma is still there, but it's manageable. And um, I can start moving forward in much smaller steps and increments. And it's been really important to be able to take little bite-sized pieces because that's where the success is found is in those small baby steps, as you say. So, yeah. So what does your life look like now? You know, (laughs) it's been quite a few years. Like what, so right now, like what hope and joy are you experiencing now? Yeah. So it's still very complicated and it's still hard um, but I am learning to live with grief and joy in both in one hand. And I'm, 
I'm realizing that um, you can have both simultaneously, that it is a place that is actually very, um, there's a place of thriving that happens there. When you learn to be able to carry both sorrow and joy hand in hand in tandem, uh, to be able to continue to grow and flourish in that environment, um, that there isn't, there isn't, I kind of wish for those times again, where, you know, it just feels like pure joy. And, and, um, but that is, most of us will experience tragedy of some sort, you know, in our life and learning to live and thrive in, in a place where you can carry both is, um, it's complicated and it's complex, but it is beautiful. And you get to see, um, your children come alive in their faith and then in the complexities of their grief as well. And, and as well to be able to just experience a more fullness of life, um, and appreciation for what God has gifted us, you know, in, um, the strengths that he's given us as his people, um, and to be able to rely on him, um, continually like it's you going back to that what's the point right right right. what's the point of all of this and to be able to find hope um and joy and peace in the midst of tragedy and sorrow is um like the grand adventure of our lives right so so yeah it's complicated it's complicated but it's beautiful you know and and there's there's a grace that God covers over you as you work those things out so for sure what is your what does your fitness routine look like right now? So I, I feel like I'm killing it right now. <laughs> yes. It's a great place to be. It's a good um, feeling. Coming up on, um, uh, what's been about nine months, I think, uh, since starting the Jumpstart 30. Um, and I'm get consistently getting four workouts in a week um, and uh, feeling really strong for the first time in probably five or six years, I'm finally seeing some weight loss, which has been incredible because I was so stubborn. Like I could not get that scale to move. And I know that's not the end all be all, but it feels good to finally um, see some progress there, but mostly just um, being able to go through the little steps to be able to get to the point where I can be much more consistent. And I'm slowly getting a handle on what it means to be a stay-at-home mom and continue to ask for help when I need it and all those things. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. I love it. So just to wrap up, you know, I always like to leave all the women listening, you know, like just with one big takeaway, like one big piece of like wisdom or encouragement or something that they can walk away from this conversation with. So what, what would you like to say? Like, what do you want to offer to that person that's listening right now? That's maybe persevering through her own survival mode season, whatever that might look like. What would you say to her? Yeah, I actually have something I'd like to read if I can. Of Um, course, yeah. Well, first I want to say that like survival mode is incredibly complex. And like I said earlier, it feels like it's swimming in a tsunami. There's going to be days when literally all you can do is drink water. You can't keep food down. There's going to be days when like getting out of bed seems like an impossible ask. Um, But it's a time that you can choose where you choose to trust in God's sovereignty um, to believe that he's still good. Um, and I would really encourage anybody to think about the unthinkable. What is it that 
scares you? What is it? What would you do if you were to lose your spouse? Um, and prepare your heart and your mind before tragedy strikes to work those things out. Because when you're in the midst of it, that's not the time to figure out what you believe and why. That's not the time to figure out how you're going to exercise or diet or, you know, like it's, it's not the time. Tragedy is not the time to deal with that. So work your faith out now. Work, work out those things that scare you. Take time to really process that and figure out um, um, what your firm foundation is going to look like and where you're going to put your trust. Um, and there was a number of years ago, this is the thing I'd like to read, a number of years ago on social media, there was this, um, this thing going around that was so impactful to me that it came up again during this time of tragedy in my life. It's written by Sandra Thurman Caporal. I think I'm saying her last name right. Um, but it's on the, the on the Lord's name Yahweh. And I don't know if you've heard this or not, but um, Yahweh is actually spelled Y H W H, and it means the Lord. It has no vowels, making it an unspeakable word. There was a moment when Moses had the nerve to ask God what his name is. God was gracious enough to answer the name he gave. And, and the name that he gave is recorded in the original Hebrew as YHWH. Over time, we've arbitrarily added an A and an E in there to get Yahweh, presumably because we have a preference for vowels. But scholars and rabbis have noted that the letters YHWH represent breathing sounds or aspirated consonants. So when pronounced with intervening vowels, it actually sounds like breathing. So the YH is like an inhale and the WH is like an exhale. So a baby's first cry, his first breath speaks the name of God. A deep sigh calls his name or a groan or a gasp that's too heavy for mere words. Even an atheist would speak his name, unaware that their very breath is giving constant acknowledgement to God. Likewise, a person leaves this earth with their last breath when God's name is no longer filling their lungs. So when I can't utter anything else, is my cry calling out his name? Being alive means I speak his name constantly. So it is heard the loudest. Is it heard the loudest when I'm quiet? In sadness. We breathe heavy sighs. In joy, our lungs feel almost like they will burst. In fear, we hold our breath and have to be told to breathe slowly to calm us down. When we're about to do something hard, we take a deep breath to find our courage. When I think about it, breathing is giving him praise, even in the hardest moments. This is so beautiful and fills me with emotion. Every time I grasp the thought, God chose to give himself a name that we can't help but speak every moment we're alive. All of us, always, everywhere, walking, waking, sleeping, breathing with the name of God on our lips. And so through my time of grief, when it's all I can do is breathe, I'm speaking the name of God, my creator, who is the sustainer of all life. So I hope that encourages everybody out there who is listening. Kelly, that is, that is beautiful. It is, 
I don't even know what to say. And I think in those moments where we're speechless, we can realize like, oh, we're still breathing and it's the breath of God. That is so beautiful. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I feel like if I talk anymore, I'm just going to cry. So <laughs> thank you <laughs> for being with to us. Today. I know. Welcome. To- <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Kelly. 